This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the Two Minute Drill. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Minute Drill podcast. I'm Adam, and I'm joined by Dan and Kev. It's been a while since we've talked. A lot has happened. The Bucks won the Super Bowl. We'll get later. We'll get into that later. We're going to talk a lot about the Patriots, their free agency, the moves at quarterback. But first, the elephant in the room. We got to get to it right away. Tom Brady, seven rings. Takes the Suckineers in his first year with the team all the way to the Super Bowl and wins it in his home th- home stadium. How are we feeling about that, guys? I mean, it's crazy. Um, I didn't expect – I don't think a lot of people expected it uh, during the regular season. A lot of people definitely expected it coming into the year. And then, like, I remember when they brought in Fournette, and kind of the hype around them grew when they brought in Antonio Brown. Like, as they kept making these moves, that just seemed like they weren't working out. And then – Uh, They had their last four or so games of the season. I remember they were, like, super easy games. They had in there that, like, blowout against the Lions where they scored, like, 40 points and a half. And I think those games just kind of allowed them to gain some confidence and kind of work some things out. And, I mean, they just heated up coming right into the playoffs. The road that they took to get there, too, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, you go into Washington – and then you go into New Orleans, and then you go into Green Bay. And then it's kind of funny how it turns out that Taylor Haneke was the best quarterback um, versus the Buccaneers, opposed to Mahomes, Breeze, and Rodgers. But just that road altogether, I mean, Brady usually had it easy with the home games in Gillette, and then we just had to go on the road three times, get the home Super Bowl. I mean, could you really, like, expect anything else? Like, you could kind of see the NFC, like, you saw Seattle collapse. You really weren't so sure in the Saints. I mean, when Breeze came back, everything was a little bit shaky. And then the Packers basically been doing the same thing every single year since, like, 2011. So, I mean, it really wasn't that surprising. I didn't. I thought that the Chiefs would be able to keep it close. I actually thought that the Chiefs would have had a better chance of winning than what the score showed. But overall, dude, Tom Brady, seven rings, unbelievable. Dude, I know. And like you said, the road to the Super Bowl was probably probably the coolest thing about it. I know the, the Washington win they had was that was against the great defense, but going into the Superdome and beating Breeze and then beating Rodgers, both on the road to get to host your Super Bowl for the first time that ever happening, and then to beat Mahomes at the top, it's it's so perfect to be true for him to finally get his seventh ring. But, Dan, you make a good point about how they got hot at the right time. I feel like a lot of teams over the last few years, you can. there's a couple games at the end of the year where they finally turn something on. And after that Kansas City loss, and then the, the Bucks were 7-5 and five and they got rolled by KC, even though the score didn't really say so at the end. That's, that was kind of the turning point of their season, and that's when it could have, got, could have went in either direction. They could have ended up not making the playoffs, but instead they, they just took stride and got hot at the right time, and that defense really came together when they needed to. And the thing yeah. that's crazy about it too – sorry, Dan. The thing that's crazy about it too is just like you had – Antonio Brown, who they signed, like, late October, and then he had, like, that incident. And, yes, I'm a big A-B guy. And he had that incident, never thought he was done. And then he missed, what he missed, like, a few games because of an injury. And then, like, just right away, he just clicked in that offense. And that was, like, that set apart that entire team for that offense. And then, like, you touch on Adam, that defense, they clicked at the right time. It was just, like, they were just a completely different team from, I would say, divisional round on, because that wild card game, they did struggle against Washington. I mean, Heineke had, like, 360 yards, and I just think overall, like, that defense struggled that game. But ever since that game, it was just a huge turning point 
Brady's leadership just brought a completely different dynamic to that team and would not be surprised if Brady wins an eighth next year. Yeah. Um, for me personally, though, I, I think this game did a lot for – uh, the GOAT conversation, not necessarily right now because everyone knew Tom Brady was the GOAT, but, you know, for 10, 15 years from now, it ended. I was like, I can't lie. I was sort of rooting against the Bucks this whole season, but oh. then once they, I just, I just, I wanted Bill Belichick. Like, I didn't necessarily want them to be awful. Perfect case scenario would have been Patriots over Bucks in the Super Bowl, but I just, I just didn't want to see them have so much more success than the Patriots. And obviously that's exactly what happened. But once they got to the Super Bowl, I think I remember telling you guys this, that like, I was like, now I have to root for Brady just because if Mahomes beats him in a Super Bowl, like regardless of it being 43 year old Tom Brady and 25, Mahomes, 25 year old Mahomes, people will always come back to that. But now on the flip side where Brady's past his prime, and Mahomes is either right in his or just entering his for him to blow him out. And I mean, people can say the Buccaneers defense carried that game, but Tom Brady did not make any mistakes. He did everything he was supposed to do. And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he tried his best, but like, it's not like he had a good performance. Oh, absolutely. And I hate all the people that are trying to discredit Brady for the run they made and saying he didn't have to do too much in the Super Bowl. He only threw like 60-something yards in the second half, but that was because they didn't have to. They got such a big lead that they could just sit on the ball and run the rest of the clock out. Clock out. And in the playoffs, their defense in all three of their games led up 20-plus points, but their offense scored 30-plus in all of their games. So that goes to show something right there with Brady. But it is just really crazy how it all came together for them in – throughout the entire year, like Kev said earlier, Brady's leadership really taking it to the next level. And that's what it really came down to. And we can't really talk all about the Bucs without mentioning uh, playoff Lenny, or should I say Super Bowl Lombardi Lenny, because he really caught fire too when they needed him most in the playoff games. One thing I got to say, though, is that Brady's still in his prime. I don't know, Dan, you've said this this year, you said it last year. Brady hasn't left his prime since 2014. Just pointing that out there. This is Brady prime now. I don't care how old he is. He's going to be 44. He's still going to be in his prime. He had 40 touchdowns. I think, like, what, 41 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns, eight picks. Freaking ridiculous. I don't care how many weapons he has. Um, I know playoff Lenny went off, but I kind of want to touch about more, like, the playoffs altogether. One thing that I'm so glad that happened was that Pittsburgh got knocked off first round. I mean, yes. that was a team that we saw that was just a complete collapse. We knew it. They were the most overrated, un, uh, undefeated team the NFL has ever seen. I'm glad Cleveland got to make it to the divisional round, which Cleveland ended up beating them. And then, I mean, Buffalo. I think Buffalo, looking at, like, how that game went with KC, I just feel like Buffalo might be one of those teams that's not going to get past that AFC championship game for years to come. Yeah, um... To go back to what you were saying about Pittsburgh, I mean, I know all three of us and, I mean, most NFL fans kind of, like, recognized from the start that they were just completely overrated regardless of they got to 11 an hour, if I'm not mistaken. And, like, literally people were comparing them to the 2007 Patriots. And I remember posting, like, a graphic on our Instagram where it was just, like, a side-by-side -side comparison of just, like, all the major stats the Patriots completely demolished them and everything. Like, even in the comments section on that post, there were Steelers fans, like, talking about how, like, 
the stats are like misrepresented and that like we'll see that the Steelers are better when they actually go whatever it is 18 and 0 and win the Super Bowl and it was just like so satisfying to see them lose what five out of their last six and just get absolutely blown out in the playoffs. They almost didn't win their own division. Yeah. They almost yeah, went from 11 no to 11 and 5. As a as a Patriots fan that that's always taught to hate against the Steelers, I got to say it was awesome seeing their demise throughout the later half of the season. But one game that really stands out to me in the playoffs was that uh, the NFC Championship, the Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady matchup, especially in the second half when Brady threw, what, three picks and the Packers scored six points total off of all those turnovers and not going for it on fourth and goal, rather to give Brady the ball back with under two minutes and a first down to send him to the Super Bowl. I feel like that's going to be a play that a lot of people will remember for a while when they think about Aaron Rodgers' legacy because – He's won in four in NFC championships now, and this was the game for him to really take the next step and dethrone Tom Brady and make a real name for himself. But it's just the same old Packers year after year. It's, it's I don't know why Aaron Rodgers gets so much credit for being so great when he can't get to the big game. Which is really funny, though, as you bring that up, because this is going to be what we're going to talk about a little bit later into the podcast. But that one play that the, when they went for the field goal might – have ended Aaron Rodgers' tenure as a Green Bay Packer. And your buddy is going to be one sad Packers fan. <laughs> he's hoping not, but I don't think he's ready for the love train. I mean, yeah, I think the drafting of Jordan Love obviously sent a message. And then just that play and just the way the season ended. And then now the way things are stacking up is – They've got Aaron Jones hitting free agency, Corey Lindsley hitting free agency. Like they've got some pretty big pieces and they have some cap issues. Like, I I don't know. Cause they kind of already set themselves up for the future. So it doesn't seem like they're going to like go all out to put receivers around Rogers, which doesn't really make sense to me because it could probably win them a Super Bowl. but I don't know. It's just, it's just really not working out for them. Yeah, and another thing, too, is when you mention their receivers, I see a lot of people say that Rodgers doesn't have a lot of weapons around him, which I don't really understand that narrative because I think Tanyan's a pretty damn good tight end. I'd say he's top 10, maybe even top 7 on a given Sunday. You have the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams and MVS, uh, Valdez Scantling. I think he averaged the most yards per catch this year. So they have some guys, and I think Funches, too. He opted out last year. I'm not sure what his deal was, but I think he might be coming back for this year. So it's not like Aaron Rodgers has a lack of weapons. That can't really be the excuse at this point. I just – I don't know, but they are going to lose um, Aaron Jones, though, which will really hurt their offense. I think Funches um, opted out because of COVID. But I, I forget yeah. if his deal was one or two years. Though. I'm not sure if he's going to come back or he'll be with the Packers. But All right. Know. We got the playoff talk out of the way before we get into the Patriots offseason talk, because I know it's going to take us a while. I did get the chance earlier today to sit down with one of the Patriots key free agents, defensive tackle Adam Butler. You can listen to that interview right here. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Minute Drill. Today, we've got a very special interview. We've got New England Patriots defensive tackle and Super Bowl champion Adam Butler here. How's it going, Adam? Man, it's going great, man. Glad to before be here. We hop, before we hop into any questions, I do just want to say, I, I have felt for a very long time, you're one of the more underrated guys on the team. I've thought ever since you came into the league with us, uh, you've been showing steady improvement year after year. You've really been able to step up as we lost guys along that defensive line, so it's just really cool to be talking to you today. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. 
All right. So before you ended up in New England, you attended Vanderbilt playing football there. Um, and you originally committed there as an offensive guard. But I read that you actually changed your position partially due to a rib eating competition. Could you yeah. explain this a little bit? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, Bob Shoot was the defensive coordinator at the time. Um, and, you know, we, we had a really uh, competitive environment, you know, with James Franklin and everything. Um, you know, so I always gave the defense hell, you know, when I was an offensive guard, you know. Um, so anyway, we made it um, to the Music City Bowl. Um, and in the Music City Bowl, we rode a boat called the, um, I think it's called the Jackson General. Okay. And uh, one of the events that night was a rib eating contest, right? So I think we had 60 seconds as a team to eat the most ribs possible, you know, and, and whoever, you know, ate the most ribs won. So um, by the end of it, we had clearly, Vanderbilt had clearly eaten the most ribs, right? Yeah. And in, um, NC State hadn't. Um, you know, they, they didn't eat as many as we did, right? Mm -hmm. And so the judge said that NC State actually ate more than we did. And I said, no, you know, and I stood up and I said, no, that's bogus, right? Because, like, so how they countered it was once you ate a rib, you're supposed to eat the rib, throw the bone yep. in, the, in the bucket. And once it was over with, they would have count, counted the bones. And that's how you know how many ribs you ate. Mm -hmm. But what the NC State guys were doing was they were just taking the bones out of the rib and just throwing them and in just there. Just throwing them in, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I stood up and I said something about <laughs> it, right? And they tried to reassure me that that's not what was going on. And I just, you know, I just kept standing up, you know, for our team. And Coach Shoup was like, man, I really want that, uh, you know, on my defense. And so, uh, you know, a couple things happened. And then, lo and behold, I, you know, they got me over to the defensive side and, I mean, here I am. Yeah, it all worked out, exactly. Yeah. Um, after your career at Vanderbilt, you go into the draft in 2017. You ended up going undrafted, signed with the Patriots. What was your mentality like entering Patriots training camp? Were you confident that you'd be able to earn a spot on the roster? I would definitely say that I was confident, but I was extremely nervous, man. Mm -hmm. I'd be lying to say, you know, say I wasn't nervous. I was very nervous, but at the same time, you know, I was I was confident in my ability, um, you know, to just be effective overall, you know. Um, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I was a better player than, you know, my stats might have shown at the time, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, and I, I felt like that was my chance to just prove, you know, to just prove that, that I was a better player than what my stats, you know, reflected. And I, I actually think, like, if you go back and look at some of the guys and their stats coming out, I think mine were pretty close, to be honest. Yeah. If you just yeah. want to go back and look, I think mine were pretty close to a lot of the other guys that were coming out. But um, either way, uh, my mindset was, let's let's just prove them wrong. You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, good mindset to have. Um, when you came out of the draft in 2017, would you say there were a lot of teams coming after you to try and sign you, or – did the Patriots seem the most interested? What made you no, choose the Patriots? I think that the Patriots showed, um, you know, the most interest out of mm -hmm. anyone. I had an opportunity to go to L.A., but, you know, I was thinking, yeah. like, I go to L.A., I'm not going to sit behind Aaron Donald, you know? Yeah. I need yeah, to go exactly. somewhere where I have a shot, you know? And, you know, just thinking about the Patriots as an organization and how they do things, um, 
if you really think about it, that like there's no better place for undrafted free mm-hmm. agents to go, you know, because you, yeah. know, you know how Coach Belichick is. You know, he's he's about people that work hard. You know, he's trying to find that, you know, that diamond in the rough, you know. Yeah. Um, and you even know, looking at the even looking at the roster right now, I mean, you've got guys like J.C. Jackson, David Andrews, like other man. undrafted guys, and you've seen how he's been able to get some success with them there. Exactly, exactly. So, and you know, that's 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 what he likes, you know. Um, yeah. And you know, it's also you know the NFL is a business too, so that kind of plays into it as well, you know. But mm-hmm. there's no better place than New England to go. As so. A so you did, of course, obviously end up making the roster, uh, and you go into your rookie season. You were a member of the Patriots team that went to Super Bowl Fifty Two. You guys didn't come out on top. Um, what was the team's and your mentality like coming out of that game and entering next season? Like, did you have some time afterwards where you were really upset about it, or was it just immediately like we got to get back to work, we got to get back here? Yeah, well, I mean, you know what, I I, I really can't speak for the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, for myself personally, it was it was definitely the mindset of like we we've got to get back to this spot and we've got to close it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think we definitely had opportunities in that game. Um, you know that we just didn't necessarily take advantage of. You know, but my mindset definitely was like I've got to like it's all starts over right now. Like I know we just lost, but like walking off of that field, I'm like okay. It starts over right now, you know. Yeah, you and, just can't dwell on it. Exactly, you can't. Like, you got to get past it, man. You got to mm-hmm. get past it because every team and every year is different, man. It just is. So obviously, the next season, you guys did end up going on a run, winning the Super Bowl. But before that, the regular season had ended on kind of a poor note. You guys went two and two in your last four games. And the mm-hmm. narrative coming into that playoffs from the people outside of New England and the media kind of seemed to be like the Patriots were done. Like this was it. Um, were you aware of that? And would you say that if you were, it kind of helped fuel the team, helped motivate guys during that run? Um, I, I think I was just, um, you know, just just more focused on doing what I could do to, you know, make the, you know, help the team, you know what I'm saying? And yes. just make the team better, you know, because cause I, I truly believe in the philosophy that, you know, if everyone just does their job and does it mm-hmm. does it great, we can win, you know, because it, it's the best team is going to win the Super Bowl, not the best individual, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen countless people, you know, this isn't basketball, this is football. You know what I mean? It's 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 a totally different dynamic, um, you know, of doing things. You know, and it's also very important to like kind of drown out the media. You know what I mean? Because if I mean, if you really think about it, the the only people that's in the locker room is us. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only people yeah, that are in the meeting rooms is us. You know, and and at the end of the day, we just have to focus on us. And you know, just like I said, if if every individual person can just do their job at a high level, you can win. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a good way of looking at it. That's obviously kind of the mantra Bill Belichick brings into the locker room, that do-your-job mentality. Uh, what would you say, since your time in New England, is the most memorable interaction you've had with Bill Belichick? Uh, and how do you think he's been able to help you develop your game? Um, I, I, would, I would definitely say from just recognizing situations, 
um, you know, and just just really focusing on the mindset of just doing your job. I think that's helped evolve me tremendously as a player. And when you know, when you think about just doing your job, it doesn't just mean just know what you're doing. It means know what you're doing, but also understand why you're doing it, right? And yeah. in order to understand why you're doing it, you have to understand what everybody else is doing. Yeah, because you have to you're know doing how your job. you're contributing to everything. Exactly. Else. Yeah. You need to know what, like, what the plan is and why your job is so critical in that plan and why it's so mm -hmm. critical for you to get your job done. You know what I mean? And when you understand that, you can you can make plays just off of instinct because you know, like, even if someone, let's say someone is out of position, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're next to you and they're not where they're supposed to be. But if you know what the overall objective is on that specific play, you can make everything right. And you know, th there's not a stat for that, right? Yeah. You don't get any stats for that, you know, and a lot of that goes unseen. But when you talk about winning championships and winning Super Bowls, that's where it shows up. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where it shows up. And like I said, it goes undetected. No one knows, but that, like that's what it means. Like when you have a team full of guys that can do that, that's that's what it means to win. Because when you when you minimize your mistakes, mm -hmm. that's when you win, man. Look at all the teams. Just think about all the teams that have lost championships, not just Super Bowls. I mean, playoff games, AFC Championship games, on penalties, on missed yep. assignments, turnovers. Yeah, man. And if you can just eliminate that, man. Because the margin of error is this is this slim when it comes yeah. to the NFL. Um, having played in two Super Bowls uh, and having played at a high level for most of your life, I know you played high school football at Duncanville in Texas. Uh, they've turned into recently sort of a high school football powerhouse, uh, mm -hmm. always up there in the national rankings. So you've played in a lot of big games over the course of your career. How can you compare playing in and, of course, winning a Super Bowl to some of those other big games and some of those other accomplishments over your career? Um, the Super Bowl definitely has a lot more weight to it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I would definitely say those games definitely prepared me, and that experience in those games was, was very important. Um, you know, because it's like, you know, like if, you, if you're in high school, you know, and you talk to some of your high school friends, they're like, high school football is fast, right? Yeah. But then you go to college and it's like, no, high school football was slow. But then you get to the NFL and you're like, okay, this is unreal, right? Like you got you got guys that's 350 pounds running a five flat in the 40, sometimes, you know, a four nine, you know what I mean? So um, just playing in those games and playing against some of the best, you know, definitely helped prepare me for the NFL. But there's there's nothing like the Super Bowl, man. It's a different feeling. Yeah, I mean, for for you to have played in two already at this point in your career must be something that's unbelievable for you. I'm sure you're looking to go back. Um, you're going to be a free agent this offseason. Uh, it's going to be the first time in your career entering unrestricted free agency. You were a restricted free agent last year, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and do you, I'm just wondering, do you have any expectations going to your free agency? Do you think a return to New England? Is something that could happen? Are you just kind of going into it, looking to test the open market? What's your mindset? Man, I, I, um, I've been very humbled by this experience. 
Um, I've seen a lot of guys come and go, you know, in the NFL, and uh, it's definitely helped me understand that, you know, this is a privilege more so than it is a right. You know, um, where, wherever my opportunity shows up uh, or the best opportunity for me shows up, I'm definitely going to take it. Um, if it's New England, that's great. You know, I, I love New England. I love playing there. You know, I've developed a lot of great relationships with Coach Belichick, Mr. Kraft, um, you know, and a lot of other people there. So, um, you know, I, I, I love New England, but at the end of the day, I think everybody's just got to do, you know, what's what's best for them, you know, and that's that's what I plan on doing. All right. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I uh, want to make sure not to keep you for too long. Uh, so I think I'll let you go here. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you again to Adam for hopping on the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it. A lot of interesting stuff coming out of there. I asked him about his free agency at the end. Um, he kind of seemed like he didn't really know in what direction he was going. Uh, he said he'd be cool you know, with coming back to the Patriots, but at the end of the day, he was going to do what's best for him. How do you guys think we should prioritize Adam Butler as far as some of our other free agents hitting the market? Um, you know, I don't really, I can't really gauge a correct price point for him because obviously I really like him as a player. He's been great for us for the last few years. A little bit undersized as a D tackle, but I think it helps his game because he's so quick and he's physical with his hands for his size. And he's a really cool guy. I got to, I got to meet him at a, a Massachusetts Pirates football game one time. So really cool dude. But um, I would definitely like to retain him. And we also have Lawrence Guy, another defensive tackle, who will hopefully try to get back. And there's a lot of questions to be answered as a defensive line, but Butler is definitely a guy I'd like to have back. And I think he's a pretty good piece you can build around. I think he's someone that you actually have to put on, like, top of the list. I mean, it's like you touched on, like, Lawrence Guy is a free agent. He's also getting up there in age. I think Guy is in his 30s. Butler is – this is the second year that he's going to be – I know we um, – restricted him last year as a restricted free agent um but I believe he had like eight sacks last year and he was I think he's kind of fitting in that like Trey Flowers role a little bit like he's kind of worked his way up and I don't think that this is the year that you're going to have to pay him a lot of money I think this is a year that you can probably get him on a you know like a house limit contract like you know like come back play like two years and then get yourself that big contract and prove yourself and I just think that with that area being so weak and that was one of your positives through that whole position group, that's someone that you definitely have to bring back. And that guy was really disruptive on third down. I saw a PFF stat that, like, had the disruptive um, play throughout the year. And he was, like, right up there with Aaron Donald, believe it or not. So definitely a guy that I think they should try to sign before he actually gets to hit the open market because if teams are smart, they're going to want to sign that guy. Yeah, I think we've seen over the years while he's been here, a lot of guys come and go along the interior of our defensive line. And just like as that's happened, he's continued to move up a notch and another notch up up the depth chart. You know, when Malcolm Brown left, more recently when Danny Shelton left. So it, it just sort of seems perfect that, you know, if we retain him, he'll be a guy that he can step into – you know, being our lead nose tackle, step into that starting role and really, really start to continue to develop his game and just put up some big numbers for us. And then also, if he comes back, then we can get you his jersey. Yep, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Kev, you mentioned that All he right, could so... possibly. You mentioned that he could take a. Oh, all right, all right. Go on, Dan. Well, I was, was going to transition into uh, what are you guys' thoughts on some of our other big free agents? Uh, you've got guys like Joe Tooney, David Andrews, James White, all hitting the open market. Um, what do you guys think our plan should be as far as who we should maybe let walk in order to just you know save some money, go after other targets? What do you guys think of? Um, you know, it's a pretty long list of free agents we have this year that have a couple of really big names, but I think it'd be easier for guys to say guys we'd like to keep. So I'll start with David Andrews. Definitely. He's been a center stone for our line for multiple years now. I really, he's the heart and soul of our, our offense. He's a great guy to have, and I, it would be really bad for us to lose him. So I'll start with David Andrews and also throw in uh, James White too. I'd really like to have him back, but I don't know if we'll have the money to afford See, him. I think, honestly, that I think that White's going to go. I think that the way that this game is, like, we've seen it, like, resolve over the last few years is that you don't pay a running back. I think that's been the model. I mean, you guys probably saw, I don't know if you saw it, but it was, like, the contract for running backs who have won a Super Bowl over the last, like, 10 years. And they're, like, mostly it's, like, between, like, $2 million and less. And then James White's a third down back. I love James White, but I just think that he's going to want more than four because I think he's getting four this year. I think they got something with um, J.J. Taylor. I mean, you got Sony, who surprisingly made his efforts count this year to make a – or, like, keep a roster spot. You got Damian Harris. So I think White's going to be gone. I think Tooney's one that we all love to keep. That That's one that's going to have to go. And then – other than that, like what you touched on, I think David Andrews is really the big one. I think you're going to need Lawrence Guy back. But other than that, I feel like you really just got to – you're going to change the scenery, Bill. Like you really just got to get guys who can play. There's no special teamers. None of those guys. Bill really has to make it count this year. So, you yeah. know, those guys really got to – he's really going to change up this roster a bit. Yeah. Um, you kind of alluded to it with Tooney. I feel like we've got a big decision to make with our line where most likely we will only be able to retain one of Andrews or Tooney. I, I feel like in that situation, you've got to go with David Andrews. Um, he's been so consistent for us at that center position. We tried to sort of plan for the future a little bit. We tried to draft a guy this year. He ends up retiring before the season starts. So, I mean, if Andrews leaves, like we don't really have a plan B unless we can go out and get some, get someone, which is going to be pretty difficult to do. Whereas with Tooney, I mean, we struck gold with Michael and Weno. He was probably the biggest steal of the entire draft. I mean, the numbers he was putting up and, like, the PFF grades he was receiving week after week, like, the guy probably could have made the Pro Bowl, if not at least, like, second-team All-Pro. Like, he had an unbelievable rookie year. He could play guard or tackle. So it sort of just seems like letting Tooney go and replacing him with Onweno is just bound to happen. Mm-hmm. One Another player I'd like to see back, and it definitely wouldn't be the sexiest signing, but I, I want to see Demir Bird back for another run. I thought he was actually pretty productive for what he was dealing with last year, and there was a lot of times I felt Cam either didn't find him or overthrow through him, and I feel like there was a lot of touchdowns that he could have had or a lot of yards that were just kind of left on the field because of that. And I think another run in another year in the New England system with a proper proper offseason and everything, and hopefully a, a, a better quarterback than Cam, but we'll get into that later. 
I think he could actually be a solid. Yeah, I do like Jimmy Burton. He's a us. good deep threat. Um, I just I don't really know though. I do. Do you guys think like what do you think honestly? It, like the game plan is for Bill. Like if you're Bill Bell, like what do you think Belichick is thinking right now to revamp this team? Because I've seen, so I've heard something or seen something new every single day from all yeah. of these reporters, and it's outrageous. One day they're getting Jimmy, the next day they're getting Cam. Then they're gonna make a move for Deshaun Watson. Then it's just like yeah. it's like all of this stuff. I think people are pulling it out of their ass. I don't even think Belichick has any idea on what I don't he either. wants to do. I think he's I think he's still waiting for some more dominoes to fall before he really pursues like a definite option. Like Cam Newton now all of a sudden like doesn't seem out of the picture. I don't know if you saw Michael Giardi's report yeah. where he was like there's like a 30 to 40% chance he comes back because there's people in New England who believe that if they had surrounded him with more weapons, we go, you know, 10 and 6 or 11 and 5, which in all honesty, like as inconsistent as he was, we were two plays away from going nine and seven that those Seattle and Buffalo games. So then if you throw a couple more weapons in there, 10 and six or 11 and five, you know, it, it does seem within reach. I don't love that me personally. Um, I just feel like at this point we don't have the roster where we can just plug a veteran guy in and it will just work out. I think we need to plan for the future. Um, and I, I think the best move would probably be to trade up in the draft and really go get one of these top guys and then, you know, see what we can build around them. But the one thing I will say, everyone is talking about, obviously, quarterback, and there's no doubt that we're going to have to put weapons around whoever we bring in. We're not getting Allen Robinson. We're not getting Kenny Galladay. We're not getting these like major, major targets at wide receiver. Like it's just not gonna happen. Bill Belichick is not gonna dish out one of these massive contracts to land a guy like Juju Smith Schuster, as good as they are. So I think people kind of need to limit their expectations for this upcoming season because even though we have a ton of cap space, good draft capital, I think you're gonna see a lot of people disappointed with what we actually end up with. No Corvettes before the game? Or before, or for the Pats? No quarterback for the Pats? No, no Corvette. <laughs> no Corvette. No. Dude, I would probably sell my season tickets if I got Juju. But Adam, go ahead. <laughs> so, one interesting thing with Cam is it's tough to believe what, what keeps coming out day after day. Some days it's his arms declining, the Patriots aren't interested anymore. Other days it's like you were saying, 35, 40% chance he's coming back. But if you want a big-name receiver, it was so easy before because people wanted to come here to play with Brady and ring chase. But now, looking at it in the eyes of a free agent, why would you want to come here unless the pay is too good to turn down? It's cold up here. You're not winning football games. Belichick is a tough coach. But that leads me into this. If we keep Cam Newton, will that will it make it easier for us to lure in other free agents because people tend to like Cam? So there's like a, there's a few things like on that. Him. And I do want to get my piece on Cam. I do feel for the guy. I mean, if you really do look at it, like this man was brought in June 30th, and then he had to learn a whole system in two months, and he won the starting job. And then weeks one through three, he was solid. You know, they changed up their offense. They kind of had a flow going. Then he got COVID. And then, like, you even heard Jason Tatum say, like, he still feels effects from COVID. 
So this man legit probably came back. I think he touched on it. I think Cam went on the podcast, the athlete that Brandon Marshall does, and he talked about the COVID fog. And then he came back after being out of that locker room for 18 days. And then the Patriots was like, okay, this is what we're doing this week. The Pats did not help Cam at all. Why? Because they were doing half of the Brady offense and half of what they know. And then they were mixing in some quarterback draws. They never actually put their offense to like work around Cam. And obviously the weapons. So I don't think that it's fair for Cam to bash him this year, regardless of him throwing him in the dirt, et cetera. I mean, he had Jacoby Myers as the number one. He had no tight ends. So I don't I don't think I would be as mad if Cam came back with all those things. But, like, the thing that you touched on, Cam has good relationships with people. Like, you could get Odell. You could get these people to come here if you believe in it. And then another thing, too, is, like, you could just go out and trade for Jimmy. And then do you think players are going to play with Jimmy? Like, that's going to be the thing, too. It's like you touch on. It's going to be really hard to get these targets, like, Mm -hmm. these weapons to want to play here. But I think Belichick could probably pick up that back resume from back in 03 and 04 when he got – legit everyone to come here and he recruited them and Brady didn't. So I'm not really that worried at all, honestly, about that. All right. Well, I'm just thinking for a second, we're talking about all this quarterback stuff. We've got all these options. Put the GM hat on for a second. What, like, you're Bill Belichick right now, all the same assets, all the same cap space. The NFL landscape is what it is right now. What are you doing at quarterback? Um, I am trading my wife, my girlfriend, his dog, everybody on the Patriots, and every future draft pick will his ever get no. Lawrence. Because you I saw know. that there was someone from the Patriots. Oh, his girlfriend. Sorry, his, you his, your girlfriend. Is getting shipped out to Jacksonville for that first pick. <laughs> oh, you know what? Throw Lindsay in there too. It's fine. But no, all seriousness. Um, like you said, Dan, there's a lot of options. It is really tough. But putting the GM cap on, nice and tight right now. I would try to make a trade for Mariota. To be honest, I think you could probably get him at a cheaper price. I don't think his cap hit is too, too bad. And he's like, I feel like him and Cam are pretty similar play styles, but Mariota has a lot more upside because he's healthier. And he definitely throws a better ball. And I don't know. I, I, I'm just kind of sick of the Cam Newton train at this point. I want a new face, but I think Mariota. What do you think you'd be, be willing, a, uh, willing to give up to land him? Oh. I don't know what it would take because, I mean, you know, you see those reports coming out of the Raiders saying they want a first for Derek Carr, which is – or a couple first, two first. So, I don't know what the hell's going on in Las Vegas right now, but that's – they're not going to get anywhere close to that for either of their quarterbacks. But for Mariota, I, I'd send maybe maybe a second, maybe a third or fourth, package up some picks or maybe even a player. But definitely wouldn't give up a first, but I would maybe throw in a second because I feel like as time goes on and you see it with the Rams – these draft picks don't hold as much value as they used to. You see with the Rams, they yeah. haven't had a first-round pick for – it'll be seven years, but their team's still damn good. I feel like we put a lot of emphasis on these high picks when they really don't turn out to what see, you always For me, there's a few things that, like, you'd have to consider. Like, you go and get Mariota and you trade a second or a third. Then are you drafting a quarterback at 15? Or are you trading up in the draft to get a quarterback? Because if you're going to have a bridge quarterback, you're going to want that guy – in your system then so he can develop during that bridge quarterback. Like, are you going to draft Mac Jones at 15? Cause that would be a thing. Like if you're going to draft Jones at 15, let him develop under you. And then you have Mario to play, then I'm in. 
But honestly, I think that after the Bucks winning the Super Bowl, I know Bill's all about just, you know, the future and planning ahead. But I think they're a little pissed off that Brady won a Super Bowl. And the Pats social media posted a video the next day, and it was Slater narrating, like, talking about it. It was all about winning, and it was all about the Patriots culture and all that. I think these guys, like, you know, the big ones like Hightower, Chung, all these guys have been a presence in that locker room. Win now mode. It's do or die now. So I think they're going to go. Knowing them, if I was GM Bill Belichick, I would probably honestly protect Jimmy at all costs. I'd get Jimmy back. I would trade a second for Jimmy. Put Gilmore in there. I saw that report today. I actually do like that trade. And then I would get him a weapon. I'd probably, hopefully, Waddle is there at 15. You got to get him a fast wide receiver. And then you just got to surround Jimmy with weapons. And then, I mean, that would be the ultimate revenge on the whole Brady situation. You get your understudy who's going to replace you back in 2017. Trade for Brandon Cooks, get Waddle, go with Myers and Edelman. Get Johnu Smith or Hunter Henry, and you're back in playoff contention. It could be that easy, though. I wish it could it be. Easy. I mean, I don't think they're going to get Hunter Henry. Realistically, I think Bill will pay I them. Think, I think, that I think Bill if he doesn't drop, get franchise tagged, yeah. I think Bill might drop that much money on him. But, like, another thing, there's so many good wide receivers in this class. Like, you don't even need to get – that top guy. Like, I think Bill's going to go to the tackle I don't think they're – I would be okay. Like, Curtis Samuel's going to cost, what, $10 million, you think? Like, that's not that bad. And then Brandon Cooks, if you trade for Brandon Cooks, he's on a contract that's paying him $12 million. That's really not that bad. You could actually make it work, and then you could draft on your defense again and then work around Jimmy. He could do it, but will he? Absolutely not. But that's what I would do. For me personally <laughs> – at quarterback at least. Um, I do like what you guys were saying, kind of with getting a bridge guy, pairing him with a young QB. Um, I think we've got to look to draft someone this year. I think we have to plan for our future. And I don't think Mac Jones helps us at all in the future. Um, I think that if we draft Mac Jones, that's just us committing to being mediocre for the next couple of years, unless we can just surround him with, an absurd offense and uh, top-of-the-league defense, similar to what we saw with Jimmy in San Francisco. I don't think we'll be able to do that considering where our roster's at right now. Um, So I think the best move would be you either go all out and you trade up for a guy like Zach Wilson, who's got a ton of upside. um, And, you know, it's actually possible that you could land them, whereas, you know, some of these – other guys closer to the top, teams just aren't going to trade out of those picks. I think we could do something in the neighborhood of our first this year, our first next year, maybe another mid-round pick. Or if you can't get up and get him, you move up a couple spots. You get Trey Lance, a guy who's got crazy, crazy high upside. And a lot but he's of probably going to need – no film on him, though. I mean – you're telling there's me that film, there's, you're telling there's me that film you would on be, him, but you're telling me you would be confident that if the Patriots trade moved up a few spots, had a like you know send the first next year, like a third. No, no, no. Trey well, Lance well, doesn't saying, have film. I'm not saying you trade. I mean, if we're trading up for Trey Lance, you're not giving up like all that much because we'd really. I think all we'd have to do is probably jump the 49ers at 12, because I think if Trey Lance falls to 12 the 49ers will take him 
sit him for a year behind Jimmy and then make him their starter. So I think all we'd have to do is trade up above 12. And if that's the case, I don't think it would cost much more than our first this year and maybe a couple mid-round picks. And I think if we do that and if we bring in a veteran QB and ease Trey Lance in, that he could be this great long-term starter in New England. Belichick is so by the book, though, that there is like maybe a 5% chance that if Trey Lance is there at 15, he would even draft him. Trey Lance might go to 15. Belichick would probably pass because there's one year of film on the dude. He's from a like a low-name school. Like he's not one of those top schools. Bill only goes for, like, you know, those specific schools. Like I wouldn't Peters. say that, though. I Kyle think, Duggar. Yeah, but that that's defense, though. That's what Bill – I don't think – I think quarterback, that's like you're the most important position on the team. No, so, I, I know what you mean. I'm it's just for me personally, I I don't – if we don't want to take Trey Lance, I do understand it because it's that it's a pretty dangerous combination of he's playing at a low level of competition and it's inexperienced. He only played one full season. I think if he had played another full year this year, he would have done great again and you'd have a little more on him. You'd feel a little more confident taking him. I think he could develop into something great, but I do understand why we'd pass on him. And if that's the case – I think our best course of action would be to try and put another weapon on this offense. If we could somehow land a guy like Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle, that'd be great. And then you go into next season with Cam Newton, Jarrett Stedham, whomever, and you look towards next year finding your long-term QB. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys make a lot of great points, but can we all agree on one thing is, I mean, at least in my yes. case, I really hope we don't take Mac Jones at 15. Because I, I got – I nothing against Mac Jones. I think he's going to – he should pan out. Maybe he'll be a – honestly, I don't know how his career will be, but definitely not at 15. My my biggest thing on him, and obviously a lot of people are aware, that Alabama quarterbacks never really tend to work out in the NFL. And the film when you watch Mac Jones is unbelievable. However, he's throwing to some of the best weapons in, in college football in the country. It's everybody's open by five yards, wide open throws. Like, he's got a good arm. But the league is also tending in a different, uh, trending in a different direction where you need to be mobile as a quarterback as well. But the, the days of staying in a pocket like a statue, like Brady is so known to do, is are kind of drifting away. You need to be athletic at that position now. And I don't really know if Mac Jones has that kind of build, but that is the perfect Patriot prototypical quarter, prototypical quarterback, a guy that can stand in the pocket like that. But and I don't especially think after the, the TikTok that he did that we posted yesterday. I, if the Patriots draft him, I'm going to watch that video like a thousand times a day, just saying. Because he legit looks like he's 12. And it's just crazy that all these quarterbacks are just like, we're getting old, Adam. Dan's like right Dan's still younger than all these quarterbacks, but we're getting old. We are, dude. And it's not, it's a scary sight. I think, honestly, I think, with, I don't even think they're going to draft a quarterback. I just, I think that this draft, like, they're probably going to go with like a Kyle Trask in the second round. And then, honestly, knowing Bill, He's going to get that Alabama D-tackle. What is it, Christian, like, Barmore? Barmore, yeah. Yeah, he's going to go with Christian Barmore with the 15th pick. And every Patriots fan who's going to lose their shit, going to say, Bill doesn't know what he's doing. And he's probably going to pass on, like, a Pitts. And Pitts might go to 16. And I know Dan's going to want to touch on the draft a little bit because it's his thing. But I think we're going to see a lot of movement with this draft as it gets closer. Because you've seen, like, the reports, like, Report came out last week that 
job. But Zach Wilson wasn't the captain. So they think just because he wasn't the captain, he doesn't have leadership. So you need leadership to be a quarterback. So they're trying to, like, the stocks are going to go up and down. It's just, you know, it does every year. But I think this draft is going to be one of the most craziest drafts. I'm going to see a lot of weird movement, and some guys are going to fall. Even Smith might fall. So yeah, I mean, crazy. I've been I've been seeing like just like one of these things with like obviously the Patriots they're looking at the receiver groups and like the tight ends and stuff. We saw it last year where it was sort of like Lamb and Judy they were the two big receivers. Then all of a sudden Ruggs runs like a four two five forty and hops both of them in the draft. We're starting to see it right now where like Jalen Waddle I think I said a couple months ago like he's a near guarantee to be on the board at fifteen. Now I'd say he's a near guarantee to go in the top 10. Like, there's people that now say Jalen Waddle's better than both Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. Like, there's so much stuff that's just constantly changing with it. Um, I really don't know how it's going to pan out, but what you were saying before, Kev, about us kind of disappointing people at 15, I think, like, if if I had to make a bet as far as, like, what we're going to do, I think Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, his draft stock is kind of falling a little bit just because linebackers, they never go super high in the draft unless That's it's like an Isaiah Simmons where they can pay all, play all these positions. And he has uh, – there's some like off-field questions. So I could see him falling to 15, and I could see the Patriots taking him and a bunch of people just freaking out because why are we taking a linebacker when we have all these issues on offense? That's what I can totally see happening. Uh, just so you know, Parsons isn't falling because he's a linebacker. He's falling because reports just came out about him that he no, I saw that that he like problem. bullied. It was like that he like bullied kids at Penn State, and like what they were saying he was doing was messed up. But then like he did have a lot of people come to his defense in regards to it, and I yeah, like I don't see I don't see that being like a huge problem at the next level, and then. He's not falling because he's a linebacker, but I'm saying, like, linebackers are just always valued less. Like, right. Luke Keekley was one of the best linebacker prospects we had ever seen coming out of Boston College, and he went, like, eighth or ninth. You know what I mean? Right. You know, the sad reality about us talking so much about this 15th pick is that odds are when the night of the draft comes and it's our pick, we're just going to trade back. We're not going to pick anybody. That would be the most Bill Belichick type move, especially no, after can't. all of us. He can't, I, he can't but that's he exactly can't. why, that's no, exactly why year, he will. That's last exactly year I got will. it. And let me throw can't. one more. This is the – okay, the fact – I got it last year. Brady left. I get it. It happened. It's done. And then you trade back. But one thing that I'll touch on this year, now that Brady won, it's all in. You're going to either move up or you stay past. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, we'll see what we do. It's definitely going to be a crazy offseason. I'm really excited for it. We're definitely – I mean, the next time we hop on a podcast, everything's probably going to be completely different. Um, great episode. Thank you so much to Adam Butler for hopping on, doing that interview. Uh, really excited about that. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to join us next time.